0: Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome back to the podcast and the YouTube channel. Today, we're gonna be going down through some bust-proof picks, some players that I just think, wherever you're getting them, and as long as you're not reaching a couple rounds for these guys, you're just not gonna be disappointed with them. This is always the assumption that these players are not traded mid-season. These players are obviously not injured in any major ways, right? We're assuming that if all these players play 16 games, which not every single player is going to, but at least the ones I talk about in this video, I really do think that it's really hard for them to bust for you. Now, most of these players, and all the ones that I talk in this video are not going to be your first and second round picks. If I came on this video and told you Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, and Ezekiel Elliott, there's my best free players of the year. Everybody went on subscribe, right? That, that's just phony. So I think all the players that I'm going to talk about today are going in round four or later as of the recording in this video. And I think the earliest player is going at like the end of round four, and then it's a late round player. And then it's like a middle of sixth, seventh round type of player as well. So we'll go through those. I have two honorable mentions. Appreciate y'all being here. As always, hit the like button right now for me real quickly. We're getting into the heart of the season right now. It's getting very very interesting a month into the season we'll see hopefully fingers crossed everything starts on time but a lot of these videos are going to continue to pick up a ton of viewership as the season gets closer so i would just ask you if you can hit the like button and the big one hitting the subscribe button big old animation pops up on the screen if you hit the subscribe button within the video youtube says let me show this to more people because these people are subscribing with him they must like the content and at least respect his opinion and that notification bell lets you know when i'm dropping videos so you don't miss out on some huge videos that might be the decision between you choosing a bust and somebody that you need to mush draft in some of my upcoming videos so appreciate y'all being here on the screen behind me is the supreme draft guide it's at least the landing page for the supreme draft guide we're going to get a ton of stuff it's ten dollars still just thanks to monkey night fight they said that they'll extend the offer a little bit longer so get in there right now because it's 66 percent Thanks to Monkey Knife Fight. All the information that you need to know for your draft is going to be in the Supreme Draft Guide. All the information you need to know on how to get it for $10, linked down below. That'll take you to a video for one minute of me explaining how you do it so it's just ten dollars thanks to monkey night fight everything in here rankings tiers player profiles key stats you see all the premium analysis top 150s so be sure to check all of that out it is linked down below so without further ado let's get into our first player of the day like and subscribe as we hop on into this the first bus proof player of 2020 as long as the player stays healthy which he's been able to do the last two seasons playing 32 of his past 32 games Jarvis Landry now he did leave a game last year it looked like it might be something major Jarvis Landry came right back the next week Jarvis Landry, who, although Dell Beckham Jr. was with this team yesterday, was the number one receiver statistically, accounting-wise, and actually productivity-wise, on the Cleveland Browns last year. So Jarvis Landry what did Jarvis Landry do in 2019? Where is he currently going? Where What is the value that we're getting out of this guy, Sal? Well, he's currently going as the 69th player off the board. It's very nice to see him going there at wide receiver 29. He's currently my wide receiver 28, 29. I'm pretty much where consensus is on him, but the floor that you have on him compared to some other guys around him is just so good. Like AJ Green's around him. I'm not totally against AJ Green, but again, there's some uncertainty there. You have guys like Devonte Parker who popped off last year, but potential QB situation this year. Preston Williams coming back. Still some uncertainty there. Jarvis Landry, I love look at it. Sure, Odell might improve a little bit, might get a little bit more efficient. But in general, the offensive line might get more efficient. Maybe they go some more run heavy with Kevin Skavansky and an improved offensive line. But when I look at Jarvis Landry, I don't need him to do what he did last year. If he does what he does last year, yeah, he's obviously a top 15 wide receiver, top 12 wide receiver for me. I need him to just do what he does on average in his career. And based on last year, it seems like he's nowhere near a cliff in his career. And he's just 27 years old. He's going to be around 27, 28. He'll turn a couple months into the season. That's very good. Right now he's about 27 and a half years old as I record this video. And even doing that as a 27 year old, 26 and a half year old last year, he played on 95% of the snaps, didn't miss a game, cut 83 balls for over 1150 yards and six touchdowns on 138 targets that amounted out to being a 26.6% target share led team. He was top 10 in the NFL in receiving yards in yards after the catch in red zone receptions in target share in targets in general in red zone target share. And then he was 12th in receptions. So obviously had a huge season last year. Staying healthy is always going to help with that being young, right? I mean, Jarvis Angel, we think about him on the Dolphins years ago he was on the Dolphins and he was still producing but he's only 27 years old this guy still has four to five more years of being a good wide receiver in this league maybe even more than that based on the role that he plays and it wasn't just these pop-off weeks for 40 points and then do nothing right that's not the style of play that Jarvis Landry is it was consistency I mean let's just look at week eight on and I'll really quickly tell you his point total starting at week eight 11 and a half 17.1 24.7 14.3 36.8 there's a dagger big one finished second that week 13.6, 11.6, 7.3, 14.4, 16.2. You could pretty much rely on this guy to on average pick you up like 16 fantasy points a week from week eight on last year. Okay, you want me to go even higher? Week four, 24.7, week five, 11.5. I mean, this is just the definition of a guy who's going in there, again, 12th in receptions, eating it up for PPR points. You have to rely on him or you're pretty much getting every single week out of him like a five or six catch game. And last year, you really saw him attack downfield more often than what we're used to seeing out of Jarvis Landry. Last year, you really saw his red zone roll come on. 28% more often than we're used to seeing from Jarvis Landry. So those things were good to see because he started to have a connection with the man on the screen right now in Baker Mayfield, who was not good last year and might actually be coming into a season that's a proven year for Baker. If you don't do something here in your third year, after all the talent around you, after the improved offensive line, after we've now changed your coach for the third time since you've been here, things are going to start to start to point back to you. Now, Baker last year threw the 10th most times per game in the NFL. He had the third worst protection, which was the big thing. We'll talk about the improvements they made in a second, but this is where it gets bad. He threw for yards and 22 touchdowns that was very mediocre but was less than mediocre 34th amongst 32 starting teams so 34th because of some backups coming in in true completion percentage 35th when he had a clean pocket and 50th in red zone completion percentage so he was just deteriorating even worse when he had time to throw and then it got even worse when the pressure was on in the red zone where big plays had to be made now as you can see on the screen right now you can see some of the things that the browns did in the offseason the biggest thing they did for their skill position was get austin hooper and now you have david Njoku wanting to be traded away so we'll see what happens with that if Njoku is traded away by the time of this recording i'm recording this a couple probably about 10 to 14 days before because i'm going to be traveling in august beginning of august if he's traded, then obviously i just didn't have that news in time if he is indeed traded then it does help landry it's mainly going to help austin hooper more i expect him to play two tight end sets so harrison bryant who they took in the fourth round as you can see to the right in the nfl draft would probably get the biggest bump in overall playing time and role change uh, so although it might help hooper to see a little bit more targets i actually think it would help harrison bryant the most the biggest thing for this team in general was the fact that they got jack conklin tennessee's offensive lineman and they took jedrick willis in the first round of the the draft. So two big offensive line pieces to help what was the third worst, worst protection rate last year for Baker. Now Jarvis Landry succeeded even with that, right? But if you see Baker now throwing for instead of 3,800 yards, maybe he hits like the 43, 4,400 yard mark. He's a little bit more efficient. The team's efficient in general. Uh, you see maybe Jarvis Landry can get an eight touchdown season. So I don't know if he repeats what he did last year, but that's the thing. We don't need him to repeat it based on him going 69th overall right now. You can see me propping up the target competition here. OBJ, Austin Hooper, Kareem Hunt, uh, Taiwan Taylor, Damian Ratley, David and Joe Koofy still there. So not a ton of target competition. I expect, and I'm very big on an, a bounce back season, and that's going to be in a future video for Odell Beckham Jr. So I expect that to happen this year. I think it cuts into Jarvis Landry just naturally there a little bit, but nothing major. I would still expect Jarvis Landry to be a thousand yard receiver. I would still expect Jarvis Landry to be a five to six to seven touchdown receiver. And at that draft capital, it's a very good spot. Next up is Matthew Stafford, Detroit Lions quarterback. And we don't really talk about quarterbacks all that often on this show, unless it's like a specific quarterback value or rankings video. And the, I mean, to be honest with you, SEO, search engine optimization not a lot of people are searching for their quarterback options right a quarterback is right now to me at least pretty obvious that if you if you're somebody who likes taking quarterbacks early go ahead and get them i'm not at least in redraft formats for most of them if it's not a 2qb league or super flex i'm fine waiting really late and i think there's two guys who are really fine to wait on matt ryan and matthew stafford stand out now i think there's a lot of guys down there right cam newton carson Wentz. there's guys that i can name that i'm fine getting to daniel jones like if they're my starting quarterback i'm okay with that The list kind of goes on and on at that point but I do think that Matt Ryan's going around a round or two, 20 picks ahead of Matt Stafford. So instead of putting him on this list, I think Matthew Stafford does stand out where he's going as just kind of a bust-proof play. He's going as the 107th player off the board, the QB 13. Matthew Stafford's easily a top 10 QB for me personally, and he was doing it last year before getting injured. He averaged 36.4 attempts per game. He threw for 312 yards per game and 19 total touchdowns, 6.5% rate, which was very good. That was in half the games last year. If you stretch that out to a full season, he would have ended up with 4,998 yards and 38 touchdowns. He would have been first in touchdown passes and third in yards. He was second only behind Jameis Winston in yards per game. He was sixth in true passer rating. He was fourth in fantasy points per game at 20.8 per contest for quarterbacks. And he was fifth in fantasy points per dropback. How is this the QB 13? He had a back injury last year. I had somebody reach out to my mentions like a month ago month ago, and say, hey, but Matthew Stafford's injury problem. Matthew Stafford was one of the most durable quarterbacks in the entire NFL. And then he hurts his back. Sure. Uh, but he's played through injuries. He just doesn't miss games. Last year, he had back injury. It's said to be healed right now. So I'm not going to be as concerned about it. His off. Offensive line last year ranked 21st in pass blocking when he was out there and 25th in protection rate at only 80.5%. So that's not good. This is an offensive line that actually improved the year before, but they ended up losing Graham Glasgow. Graham Glasgow, they lost to the free agency. They did sign Vate, who's a borderline top 10 offensive lineman coming into this year, at least for them. Their offensive line mainly just took a big step back last year because of some injuries. It's going to maybe be a balancing act this year. They'll get a guy in Frank Ragnar back. Who took a big step forward last year. They're going to lose Graham Glasgow, so that's not great. And then they'll get Vate, so maybe that'll kind of cushion the blow a little bit for them. Now you can see what else they did in the offseason. Not a lot to really help Matthew Stafford. Hopefully, the offensive line improvements up from Vate did. Hopefully, some of the guards that they took, Jonah Jackson and Logan Steinberg in the NFL draft, as you can see, hopefully that helps. Main offensive weapon that they added was DeAndre Swift in the draft, who I think will be a pretty key role in this offense. Maybe Jason Huntley sees the field, a, a fifth round running back who has some pedigree and upside, at least from the college he was coming out of. But for the most part, they added Jeronimo Allison, a slot receiver, Jeremy Davis. These are guys that Allison might push Danny Amendola out of the slot. Amendola has been known to get injured pretty much every single season that he's been in the NFL. So maybe Allison gets some work, but he was pretty bad at separating with a division rival, the Packers last year. Stafford's mainly going to rely on the guys that you know, Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay on the outside, one of the most underrated wide receiver duos in the league. And then TJ Hawkinson, who's just going to be an absolute monster at some point in the NFL. And why not his second year after battling through injuries towards the end of last year? Let's look at what the passing game options are going to be for Matthew Stafford here. You can see Kenny Galladay, a guy who went last year for over right around 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns. For me, he's a huge, huge wide receiver in this offense that I just love the guy. Contested catch. Doesn't matter if he's playing with David Blau last year. Doesn't matter who he's playing with. um, He's just going to dominate, right? Jeff Driscoll. He ends up still being a top 10 wide receiver and I have him easily there this year in my rankings. Marvin Jones, a guy who when he's healthy is actually producing better than Kenny Galladay over the last 16 games when both have been healthy. Now, obviously that's a little bit skewed because Marvin Jones has had his experience during that last 16, games is really when Kenny Galladay started to break out. So you're getting a couple of not so much breakout games before that. But obviously Marvin Jones last year had around 800 yards and nine touchdowns. And that was missing three games on a 20% target share. Danny Amendola and Allison, like I said, they're going to be out of the slot. And TJ Hawkinson, who in his rookie year after missing four games, just playing in 12, had 32 receptions. He saw a 14.1% target share, which ended up being 59 targets, 367 yards and two touchdowns. He was probably on pace to see a little over 500 yards and three or four touchdowns, which is very good for a rookie tight end. Uh, and this might be the breakout year for him him. So the former first round pick in Matthew Stafford last year, if you own the pace of him before his injury, this is what he did in the weeks that he played. 27.6 fantasy points, 15.1, 12.1, 23.4, 28.6, 23.4, 24.8. I mean, his last three weeks before starting with injury, he finished as the quarterback three, six, four. I mean, he finished as the quarterback six or better five times out of his eight starts as a quarterback. That is elite. And another time he finishes as QB 15, QB 20. He only finished outside the top 20 one time in those eight weeks five times inside the top six. He was producing as a QB one pretty much week in a week out on average for you. Matthew Stafford is a guy that going as quarterback 13, going outside the top 100 picks. Yeah, sure. In your 11 person drafts, why are you not taking him in the ninth, the 10th round as your QB one, where you're getting a QB one at that point, even though people aren't seeing him as that Matthew Stafford is bust proof for me, because even if he's going to finish as QB 12 or QB 13, that's exactly where you're drafting him. So you're drafting him at his floor when his ceiling is honestly top three QB. Before we move on to our final player, before our honor- mentions, please do hit that like button real quick. Take a second of your time, bottom right hand corner, big old subscribe button pops up. Tap that for me one time and hit the little notification bell all those things really do help these videos reach more people as I assume we're going to really start to reach a lot more people. And also leave a comment down below. Who is a player that comes to mind when I say bus proof players for 2020? Who's somebody that you think is just bus proof no matter what they're going to pay off for you? And don't tell me Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey. Give me somebody after the first couple of rounds. Let me know down below in the comment section. Check out that Supreme Draft guy. I'm telling you $10. It's going to be the steal of your lifetime. I've been spending months on this thing. Monkey knife fight is on. I had a battle for another couple of weeks. We're going to be getting it sponsored. So I don't know when that's going to end, but go ahead and get it in right now before does end so it's going to be linked down below let's get into our final player now how many times do i have to talk about robert woods until you guys start drafting him now maybe you are but he's still going as wide receiver 18 overall he's gone from being like the wide receiver 22 taken he's been my wide receiver 12 for the past two months in my rankings like i haven't moved the guy at all i moved him before that from like 16 to 12 he's well ahead of cooper cup for me even though in p in overall adp he's going well behind cooper cup like four to five picks behind him right now robert Woods is my wide receiver 12 is going off the board as the 45th overall player that's fine but wide receiver 18 now there's just like, maybe you can argue with one or two of the guys going ahead of him, but some of those guys, no shot. Robert Woods last year and playing in 15 games, going for 93% of the snaps, 90 receptions for over 1,100 yards and three touchdowns. That's due to come up. And 140 targets, saw a 23.3% target share. So, very good overall for Robert Woods. That's two straight years with 130 plus targets. Now there's no more Brandon Cooks. You do like to see this. Arguably, in my opinion, he's going to be the number one receiver in this offense. And if they go from playing their like 8% of 12 personnel that they played two years ago to 21% that they played last year, even if they just go up a little bit, like they said they want to, to 25%. Even if they stay at 20 or 21%, it has to be helping Robert Woods the most over another guy who's arguably the other one. A one being this offense in Cooper Cup. And the main reason why is because Robert Woods is primarily an outside receiver, although he played 35% of his snaps in the slot, and we love to see that slot usage for wide receivers that are good. They can just do so much more damage in the middle of the field, where they can use either side of the field against a worst cornerback. Even though we like to see that, we like to see that he can dominate on the outside when they just go to two tight end sets, 12 personnel, no slot receiver. That means you have two tight ends on the field in line, or I guess they can come off the line and also two wide receivers on the outside with a running back in the backfield. So when that happens, yeah, it's going to be bad for Cooper Cup because he's mainly a slot wide receiver his whole career. So he's either A, coming off the field and they're putting Josh Reynolds or the rookie Van Jefferson on the field with Robert Woods there as the second wide receiver, or B, Cooper Cup's going on the outside where he's more inexperienced and he struggles to beat press coverage. Last year, the rankings for Robert Woods, sixth in NFL and route runs, eighth in targets, eighth in receptions, second in yak. That's elite. We like to see that he can do it after the catch, 560 total yards after the catch, second in the NFL, I believe only behind Chris Godwin. He had 15.5 fantasy points per game, that 35% slot usage. And again, he saw just two receiving touchdowns. One of his touchdowns last year was rushing. So two receiving touchdowns on 140 targets. Now he's never been the guy to score a ton of touchdowns, especially in this offense. He only saw a 13.9% target share, but you would expect more than two receiving touchdowns, even on that, right? If you're going to end up seeing like 12 red zone receptions, you would expect that three or four of them start to become touchdowns. So there's definitely the case for regression here. And last year, if you just give Robert Woods two more touchdowns, he finishes as the wide receiver seven now you can't just throw those stats in there but again 140 targets it's hard to see only another two touchdown season coming even if you give him what he had the year before that he's seen 130 plus targets in back-to-back years two years ago he scores five touchdowns in this offense so if you give him those five touchdowns right the two more from last year to this year he finishes wide receiver seven last year so if we give him that little bit of a bump up let's just say the receptions go from 90 to even 80 even if they drop because tyler higby's good or josh reynolds takes on a little bit better of a role than what brandon cooks has been giving them let's just say these things happen and you're looking at like an 80 catch for a thousand yard season out of robert woods but he picks up two or three more touchdowns it's going to be very similar to last year where he clearly outproduced a 20th overall wide receiver off the board and right now as my wide receiver 12 i do indeed like that here's what the rams did in the offseason as you can see on the screen nothing in free agency nothing literally nothing in free agency to affect at least the offensive side of the ball now they lost brandon Cooks, that helps robert woods they lost todd Gurley. It's going to help the running backs more, but it'll also help Robert Woods if it's going to be taking a lot of targets away from somebody and not redistributing them to the running backs. It's yet to be seen. But then in the draft, they get Cam Akers, that'll be the biggest help for Todd Gurley really being gone, I would assume. And Van Jefferson is likely to replace and also compliment. He'll compliment Josh Reynolds and probably replace Brandon Cooks to an extent. Uh, second round pick that, yeah, I mean, Van Jefferson was one of the guys in the second round that I said, okay, he could have been a third round pick. And I didn't say that with a lot of guys. A lot of guys, it's saw oh, second round pick. Yeah. Michael Pittman, Denzel Mims, uh, LaViscus Chennault, right? These guys should have been first round picks, Steve Higgins and any other draft. Uh, but when you look at Van Jefferson, eh, he's like a third round pick or a true second round pick. Nothing crazy special in my opinion. So you have a bunch of tight ends out there. They draft Bryson Hopkins. You have Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby. So there are there is going to still be target competition. As you can see right here, the target competition is Cooper Cup, Higby, Gerald Everett, Josh Reynolds, Van Jefferson. Probably in that order, depending on how much 12 personnel they go, you can flip flop and debate about Josh Reynolds and Gerald Everett all you want. I think that's fine. But for me, the number one receiver in this offense, who's going to command the most targets, probably somewhere around... I'm going to project him right now. I have him for 129 targets. So I have him dropping 11 targets this year, but that's nothing major. It's just a little bit of natural regression. I also have him scoring five touchdowns, which kind of balances out what he did or not to like that. I know Tyler Higbee has been exploding or at least towards the end of last year. I will caution you though, when Gerald Everett was healthy, Tyler Higbee was exactly what he was for the first couple of years of his career. Just kind of a guy who popped up here and there, but kind of a nobody never really had the athleticism. So even though I like what Tyler Higbee did towards the end of last year, I'm also conscious of he was on a heater. Gerald Everett, the other tight end was injured in this offense and Gerald Everett, was the tight end one before getting injured. It's hard to tell what they're going to do if they keep feeding Tyler Higby as if he's Rob Gronkowski, even though he doesn't have that type of a build and same type of athleticism and after the catch ability as Gronk. So I'm a little bit um, cautious there. But if indeed Tyler Higby isn't as great as everybody expects, it can only help Robert Woods if he's more of the go-to in this offense. And I've mentioned it a bunch before, but the 12 personnel keeps Robert Woods on the field a lot more rather than his teammate Cooper Cup. The last three games of the season, last four games really when they went to 12 personnel, 88% of the snaps, 97%, 93%, and 93 three and a half percent. Whereas Cooper Cup some of those weeks was playing in the seventies and 60% because like I said earlier, Cup's a mainly slot receiver. So sometimes in a lot last year, he just started coming off the field and you really saw Robert was being a consistent weapon for them last year. This is week 10 on from last year, 16 and a half fantasy points, 15.7 fantasy points, 30.2, 25.7. Then he drops a stinker at 5.7%. He only catches four balls for I believe uh, 17 yards that week. So not great, but then 20.3 and 20.6. He finished as a top 20 wide receiver in every single one of those weeks, except the one where he scores 5.7 fantasy points. He finishes as a top 10 wide receiver in four of those weeks. In four of those seven weeks, he's finishing top 10. In six of those seven, he's finishing as top 20. That is what you get. That is a consistent wide receiver. That's what you're drafting as the wide receiver A team. I'm currently taking him ahead of that. I'm getting a lot of Robert Woods as my wide receiver one or even wide receiver two on some of my teams. And I would highly recommend that you draft him as well because he's a bus proof player for me. So those are my three main bus proof players. Obviously, I can name a ton more. Again, if you want my rankings, you can see where I'm ahead of a lot of ADP on just based on my rankings alone, top 150s. Those are all down below in the Supreme Draft Guide. Check it out. But right now, my three main ones from this video are going to be uh, Jarvis Lange, Robert Woods, and Matthew Stafford. Two honorable mentions that I have for you that I'll quickly just say. Allen Robinson's currently going off the board as a 29th overall player. I think it's fair. I have him as my wide receiver eight. I'm debating on putting him up to like wide receiver six. He's currently going as wide receiver nine. I think he's bust proof based on just what he's done in the past. His entire career, dating back to college with Christian Hackenberg all he's done is played with horrendous quarterbacks, right? When he was in Jacksonville with Blake Bortles, since he's been in the Bears with Mitch Trubisky. So even if Trubisky plays a lot this year and it's not Nick Foles, he's going to be fine because that's what Allen Robinson does. He's a stud who plays through bad quarterback play. But if Nick Foles comes in, who's by no means a world beater, but I would say better than Mitch Trubisky and at least will unleash it downfield a little bit more accurately, that only helps Allen Robinson. And then Jamison Crowder. So he's currently going as wide receiver 41. He's my wide receiver 37. So I'm higher than consensus going off the board is 109th pick. To me, Crowder is just an, a shoo-in for like a 115 target, 120 target season. You know that Sam Darnold, dating back to college when he had Juju, loves throwing to the slot. You saw that. It was proven last year for Crowder, having a ton of targets and receptions. He's never going to get you a ton of downfield targets. So like last year, I think he started the season with like a 13 reception game for 99 yards. Like that's unheard of. Who does that, right? But that's what's going to happen. He's just going to be consistent, which means it's hard for him to bust if he stays healthy. It's hard for him to break out and really win you leagues. Like I think Jarvis Landry and Robert Woods and Matthew Stafford can. That's why they not our honorable mentions, our actual deep dives. But I think that Jameson Crowder is at least worth a mention. So I appreciate you all tuning into this video. I had a ton of fun breaking this down. I appreciate that a lot of more people are seeing these videos. So please do before you go hit the like button and the subscribe button. It goes a long way. And if you want to get into a $50 giveaway, if you're still listening on the iTunes platform, only like two or three people are reviewing it this past week. $50 to one person who reviews my podcast version. So if you're listening on the podcast, be sure to do that. If you're listening just on YouTube and you want to go over there, the Sal Betry show on iTunes only, leave a five-star review, say something nice. It literally takes 30 to 60 seconds and you have a pretty good shot at winning 50 bucks. So be sure to do that. Hit like and subscribe before you go. My name is Sal. Go get the Supreme Draft Guide for just $10 and I'll see you all in the next one.